Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Amen and amen. You know, sometimes it's just good to be still and to be quiet. I was just thinking a few minutes ago that there's just so many voices that are speaking today. I mean, you can't go anywhere and not escape this uh, concert of voices, this stadium by the thousands and millions, and we hear voices everywhere. You can't escape all the voices and talking heads. You know, sometimes you just need to be still, you need to be quiet so that you can allow God, the most important voice, to kind of speak into uh, your life and speak it into your chaos. And, you know, today that's what we're, we're talking about. We're talking about a tremendous sign that Jesus gave to us and actually historically in context to the Jewish people, but it resonates today, a sign that Jesus would give, a sign of Jesus speaking into chaos and then bringing out of that new life. It's called the sign of Jonah the prophet. The last sign, if you will, this occurs during the last few months of Jesus' ministry before the cross and the resurrection of Christ himself, but he said that an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, but no sign would be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And then you have like three stories that begin to converge together, that of Jonah that of Jesus' own resurrection and also the story of Lazarus where Jesus would demonstrate that he has resurrection power. A powerful and tremendous sign to us today that actually should give us hope and should carry us uh, in these days that we're in even now. We're in, we're in John chapter 11 and... Uh, I'm excited about what we're going to look at this morning. John thought this was a really important uh, story. He devotes uh, a large section of his gospel to the story of Lazarus. You could actually break this down into about four or five different parts. And so we, are, we looked at it holistically, and now we're coming back and we're kind of breaking it down step by step all the way to when, when Jesus would arrive in Bethany, all would seem lost. Jesus would weep and he would be caught in that moment, but then he would speak and change everything and raise Lazarus from the dead. We'll look with me today in John chapter 11, what I will call the really second major section of this in John's gospel. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, 
the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Then he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who's called Didymus, which means twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Father, as we turn our hearts to your word today, we thank you for the inspired truth that comes from the page of this text. But Father, so much more than that, we thank you for this historical event that step by step in this great story, Jesus would reveal and show to us all of who he is. And finally, he would show us that he is the resurrection and the life. So, Father, as we study your word today, I trust that we will encounter the living word, Jesus. And these words in this event will be spoken fresh into our life. So enlighten our understanding. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. We trust you with this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The last sign Jesus would give. Now I want you to think about your own personal reaction or reactions to last signs. Think for a second about your own personal reactions to last signs. I mean, we can't live really without signs. We really have a hard time navigating and going anywhere without signs. But I want you to think about your own personal reactions that you've had to last signs. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, when I was in seminary, we would uh, travel home as much as we could, and we would come back, and we would take that long road, Interstate 40, uh, Fort Worth, Dallas, all the way home, and that was a very, very long journey, going from there to here, and then going back with our time, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas, or uh, a time period during the summer, w w was over. And I can remember many times the drive back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I was always, I've always been in a hurry. Everything about me seems to be in a hurry. And I'm always trying to make the best time that I can make. If any of you spend any amount of time with me, 
you know, it's, 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 we got to go to the, we got to get this done, we got to go to the next thing. It's just like a constant thing. And I have a hard time sometimes just slowing down. Well, we'd come by Memphis, West Memphis, and I'd look and try to make great time. And, and, I, and man, if I, if I was making good time, I'd be so excited I'd see that West Memphis sign. Here we go to Little Rock, Arkansas. Hit Little Rock, Arkansas, five and a half, six hour mark, somewhere in there. And we're thinking, man, we're making great, great time. Maybe there hadn't been much traffic. Then we go down the southern, southwestern part of Arkansas. And finally, we would hit Texarkana about three-fourths of the way. Uh, that's kind of how I designated it in my mind. And I hit Texarkana, you know, maybe around nine hours, somewhere in that. It's been a long time since I've traveled that. Uh, it might have changed. I don't know. It might have sped up, might have slowed, slowed down. I don't know. But I'd hit Texarkana, and on the other side of Texarkana, I would see a sign. And I would be thinking in my heart, man, we, we've done great. We, we have really made great tracks. And, and then I would see this, Texar, this sign outside of Texarkana that would say, Dallas, 190 miles. And every single time in my spirit, I'd go, ugh, you got to be kidding me. It's like three more hours. But then, there's other times that I would see last signs, like going on vacation, like going down to Gulf Shores and and, and taking the drive down the Gulf Shores. And, and then when I'd see the sign where we would hit like Foley, Alabama. I would be like, I wouldn't be going like, oh man. No, I'd be like going, yes, we are almost there. I would just get excited. I'm, we're almost there. I could roll the windows down and I could start smelling, you know, the salt in the air. And, and, the, and the Gulf uh, Ocean, the Gulf Coast coming up. Uh, man, it was just awesome reactions to last signs have been varied throughout my life. There is an intended reaction to this last sign. And the intended reaction of Jesus to this last sign is belief. It's belief. Belief in him and his ability to resurrect, to revive, to take that which seems helpless and hopeless and to speak breath and life into it and to give it a new start, a new beginning. That's the intended reaction of this last sign. Is that you would believe. That he is who he says he is. And with every turn of your life. If you have him. Then you always have also within you. Resurrection power. In the second phase of this story. Of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. John begins this section by saying. After this in verse 7. Then after this. Then after this. You say after what? After the fact that after. John writes that Jesus loved Mary 
and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Because of his love for them, he would stay two more days. He was in no rush to get to Bethany. What many of us would do upon hearing a friend that was sick, perhaps even dying. And you can see in the progression of this story what was taking place from Lazarus' perspective, from the perspective of his sisters. We have a brother who is sick. We need Jesus to be here. And at some point in time, it had to change. It had to go from, hey, we have a brother who is sick. And now we have a brother who is dying. And can you imagine the urgency that would be in them as they would still wait upon Jesus? And you say, well, how do we know? About these expectations that they have. Because when Jesus finally shows up in Bethany. These expectations come out of them. And it's just not Mary. But it's also Martha. And it's not just Martha. But it's also Mary. They would say. Both of them would say. Lord if you had been here. Lord if you had been here. Our brother would not have died. So you can imagine for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it went from our brother is sick. Oh, he's turned now. It's getting worse. He's now dying. Have you ever? Have you ever been with someone? When they died. I have more than once in my life. It's it's a, a, a thing that you really don't ever want to be a part of. But there's something holy about it. When you know that person's a believer. And there's a progression that you're watching. If it's if it's not a prolonged sickness. And death happens suddenly. It's more violent. It's more of a vigorous end of life. If it's a prolonged sickness. It seems to be a little bit more gradual. And, and maybe the signs. Are further apart. Can't imagine. What it was like for Mary and Martha. Put yourself in their shoes. It seems very quickly. Our brother is sick. Then our brother is dying. Two. Our brother. Is dead. And Jesus stayed two days longer where he was. For a reason. Just as they were aware of the progressions. So was Jesus. And he wasn't caught by surprise by any of it. So when John starts this next section and he says after this, it's after the fact that out of Jesus' love for them, he stayed two days longer. So then he finally says to his disciples, 
let us go to Judea again. Now, this is a big warning sign to the disciples who had been with Jesus because the last time Jesus was in Judea, in the region of Judea, the Jews wanted to kill him. In fact, this is brought out in his discussion with the disciples. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? In other words, you're risking your life if you go there. And what they're also saying to him as their followers is, not only are you risking your life, but you're taking our, listen to this, you're taking our lives into your hands. And you're basically delivering our lives also into the hands of the Jews. Which means for a follower of Christ, that wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, wherever you take yourself, that's where I go to. Now my goodness, being on this side of this sign, you would say, yeah, I believe Jesus, I will go anywhere with you because I know what you can do. I'm along for the ride. Because I know who's driving my train. I know who's leading my life. And I trust you. But before he raises Lazarus from the dead, you can't even begin to imagine all the emotions, all the feelings, all the thoughts and all the ideas that was flooding the hearts and the minds of the disciples, let alone those who were in Bethany waiting for him. And then finally, when Lazarus dies, they're probably, can you imagine? I mean, by the time Jesus gets there, they've already had the funeral. He'd been dead four days in the tomb. From their perspective, it was over. But from Jesus' perspective, it was just beginning. So when the disciples say, hey, listen, the last time we were in Judea, they tried to stone you. Or are you going there again? Jesus said something to them that is enigmatic. It, it's almost a mysterious saying that he says to them. When you first read it, it might kind of be hard to understand. But he says this to give the disciples comfort about them going on this journey with him. This is what he said. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said... And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But let's stop for just a second. Let's think about what Jesus says here. When he says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Yet if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles. Because the light 
is not in him. So what Jesus does is Jesus takes their current situation and then he overlays it or rather takes himself and overlays it on their current situation. Two ideas are running together here. It's almost like Jesus is saying in one sense, guys, listen, there's, there's 12 hours in the day. I'm sure we can navigate this. It's, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. We're going to go in the daylight hours. Surely they won't attack me. The Jews won't attack me. Daylight hours. We're going to be wide open. Here we go. It's good. 12 hours. We've got to travel. Maybe not that far to go. Bethany was a couple of hours outside of Jerusalem from what we know. But then he says this. He says something about not just the light being about you, the light of the world being about you, but he, at the end of this, he talks about the, the light being in you, or rather, if you stumble in the darkness, it's because the light's not in you. So what is Jesus doing here? Here's what you need to know. In Scripture, times and season designations they carry great theological significance. They are very powerful, strong metaphors. For example, when we think of something that is dark, or darkness, or night, we think of something that is evil, or morally bankrupt, if you will. If we think of something like that is day or light we think of something that is positive something that is good we think of something that has a high moral positive characteristic or trait it's the same way with seasons people talk about the winter man it was like a a, a season of winter in my life winter carries with it darker overtones, cold, gray. But what about the spring? The spring carries with it very positive overtones of, of life and energy and new beginnings. This is all in what Jesus is saying. If you walk in the day, it's positive, it's good. There is light. But if you walk in the night. It's dark. And there's darkness there. And you'll probably stumble. In fact he says you will stumble. This reminds us. Hang with me. This reminds us. Of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. Whether it be I am the door. Or I I am the bread of life. Jesus would also say. I am. The resurrection. And the life. We're leading to that. But he would also say in John. I am the light. Of the world. In other words guys. If you go with me. You're going to be walking in light. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's going to be okay. 
I want you to take this down another layer. As he talks about the positive characteristics of light and walking in the day, and he's conveying safety and security in that. He's also the one who created the very light that gives them this sense of safety and security. In fact, he would say, I am the light of the world. In other words, Christ in you, the hope of glory, gives you light. And light in every situation you face in your life, no matter how dark or dead, it seems to be. They were afraid that they would go and be in jeopardy with him. But here's what you've got to understand. As it would go on, Jesus would tell them, again, language that was somewhat cryptic, you know, how many times do you think these disciples ever looked at one another and was like, what the heck is he talking about? He would say to them, hey, listen, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Uh, this is also used biblically, talking of sleep, as used metaphorically many times, as also dying. They're thinking that he's meaning that literally he has literally fallen asleep. And so their response to him is, hey, you know, hey, then if he's falling asleep, then he'll recover. And Jesus said, I'm going to go awaken him. So they're like, hey, he'll recover. If, he, if he's only asleep, he'll be okay. But Jesus then has to come back and very plainly to them, he says, no. I'm, I'm not talking about figurative sleep. I'm talking, he, he, he really has died. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, I want you to slow down for another second here and think about what their reaction would be now. Okay, so then why go? Put our lives in jeopardy, and so we're going to go for a dead man. Lazarus is dead. I can't imagine the thud that statement had had to hit with for these disciples. Some of them be like, well, Jesus, then what were you doing? What were you waiting on? Again, thoughts would come to their mind, it's too late. Here's something else that we have to understand about life with Christ. When you fast forward to the end of the story and you come to that great statement of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life, and then he speaks and changes everything. When you see that happen, and he 
tells them, I, I do this for your benefit so that you can believe. Because when Jesus said, Lazarus is dead, the next very next thing he says to them is, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But then let us go to him. When you fast forward and you know the end of the story, you know what happens. Then you roll it back and you say, and you hear, and you respond to Lazarus is dead with, well, of course. He has to be. In order to get to where they were going, spiritually, Lazarus had to die. You cannot have a resurrection without a death. You can't have revival without death. It's a necessity. Not a tragedy. But how many times over have you experienced or you have seen situations in your life or even in our world today that seem so helpless, hopeless, or even dead? Two encouraging words today about walking through these dark times that we live in. And I want to ask you a really important question, okay? If you could categorize by time or season designation where you are in your life today, how would you categorize it? Does it feel like spring to you? Does it seem like there's new life and hope and vim and vigor and energy and excitement and, and light and color in your life? Does it seem like winter to you? In spite of where we are in the season of time now, the month of June, days are getting hotter. And by the way, we'll be together next Sunday at 9.15 trying to beat the heat. Mark that next Sunday, 9.15. But in your own personal life, does it seem like anything but summer or spring? Seems like winter. Have you ever thought about the fact that in order for Christ to show you all of who he is, the I am statements replete through the book of John. If you do not go through these seasons or these times, however dark or dreary or dead they seem to be, you will never fully know who he really is. Verse 16, Thomas, in Thomas' fashion, 
replies to Jesus. Can we call him the eternal optimist? Not. <laughs> he often gets a bad rap because he's called Thomas the Doubter. Here he's the twin. But listen to how Thomas responds to Christ. There's a determination in Thomas. There's a hope in Thomas. There's an encouragement in Thomas because he's like, okay, well, we'll go. We'll go with him. Let's go. Verse 16, therefore, Thomas who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go. Let us also go. It's like, it's about to end. We're starting to wrap up. The end music starts to happen. You're anticipating the credits to begin to roll. You're thinking, hey, this thing is, is, uh, is about to wrap up. And Thomas simply says, so that we may die with him. Now, when I first read this and I first studied this, I wasn't paying real close attention to my pronouns and I thought, is, is Thomas saying we'll, we'll die with Lazarus? Hey, we'll go and we'll just join Lazarus too. He's died, so we'll, we'll die too. But no. Thomas is coming back to this belief and this idea that if he goes with Jesus, then when the Jews stone Jesus and kill him, then Thomas and the disciples will die too. Let us also go so that we may die with him. Die with Jesus. What in the world is Thomas thinking? On one hand, it's like, I'd rather be with Jesus, and if Jesus dies, and I'll die too. At least he won't be by himself. He won't be alone. We'll just die with him too. And so they take the journey. There's no record of Jesus responding back to Thomas. None of that. And I can imagine as Thomas is on this journey with Christ, he begins to lose a sense of, of really what's taking place. And, and maybe he even forgets about Lazarus. Well, Lazarus is dead anyway. It's, all hope is gone. It's lost. And here's the deal. We're walking into our death as well. With Christ. And he just failed to understand and to see. That wherever you go. You don't just have the light about you. But you have the light in you. For some reason, 
when I thought about this, I, I kept thinking about the movie E.T. How many of you all remember the movie in the 80s, E.T.? Steven Spielberg movie? E.T. Some of you are going, what the heck does E.T. mean? Remember his heart? I need some nods here, just so I don't look like I'm, I'm crazy up here, all right? You remember the heart? What, what would it do? It would like, there'd be like a light there. In, in E.T., right? It'd be a light. And, and with death coming, or the sense of death, what happens to that light? It, it fades. Y'all remember the movie? It's like us in, in a sense of, of, of having Christ in your life. He didn't die there on the way. And when he got there, he didn't just bring resurrection, but he was resurrection. I am the resurrection in the life, he says. So no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you always have the light in you about you. And the light of the world is the life of men. And the life of men is the light of the world, Christ. And so you can always have a divine perspective emanating from you about any situation or circumstance that you see in your life or in this world. Don't fall into the darkness. It wants to suck you up. It wants to tell you how bad it is. It wants to tell you how hopeless it is. It wants to tell you how helpless it is. But with Christ, there's always, always, light and there's always resurrected life even when it doesn't happen the way you think it should so what is it today your season this season that our world is in What is it about your life that seems to be in chaos that Christ wants to speak resurrection life into? Have you given up? Have you quit? Have you quit anybody? Some of you have quit some folks today. Some of you have been, you've gotten angry Because of what maybe your brothers and sisters in Christ have, have said. Or their, their political viewpoint. Or, or what they post. Or what they've said. Or their actions. Or what they've done to you. Or to somebody else. Some of you, some of us, fall into the darkness. And we forget. The light of the world, the resurrection, and the life goes with us. And 
that's what we need to be speaking. In this concert of voices. But sometimes you got to be silent so you can hear. So today we invite you to do that. We have prayer counselors who are standing by. They're ready to meet with you, pray with you. You can text them, call them. Our folks here are going to stand, maybe at your home, hanging out on the couch, wherever you might be. Just whatever's in your heart now, just turn to that place where you can see and trust and believe the light of the world, the resurrection and the life in you. His name is Jesus. He did this that you would believe. So we're going to have a time of response. Then Cody is going to pray us out this morning. Again, we'll see you next Sunday, 915. If not outside, we'll be right back here if it rains, 915 next Sunday. Cody's going to lead us out this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you've benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.